Hello and welcome to the Mile High Hockey Lab. My name, as always, is Adrian Hernandez. I'm here with Evan and Ezra. We are here to talk Colorado Avalanche hockey, and it feels like we are just right on the cusp of the most exciting part of the year, um, almost time for regular season hockey. And with that said, we have some pretty substantial topics today. Um, thank you, for uh, the two of you, for joining me today. As always, thank you. Absolutely. Happy to be Heck here. Yeah. Heck yeah. So if you... Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you. Uh, if uh, you folks are listening or watching on your preferred streaming platform, be sure to subscribe, like, and share with your fellow Colorado Avalanche fans. We also have a lot of articles um, and tons more content on the website, milehighhockey.com. Um, and you can follow us at, at milehighhockey on X. So let's drop the puck and talk Colorado Avalanche hockey. I'll send this very first one to Mr. Managing Editor Evan. Um, so pretty exciting night the other night with uh, Olausen netting the overtime winner after a long and grueling overtime. Um, it feels like the preseason is basically over with just one game left against Dallas. Um, and with Olausen really making a push, who do you see uh, Colorado going with on their fourth line opening night on October 11th? You know, it's such a good question. And just to clarify, there are two more games left, Dallas and then Vegas on Thursday. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Pardon You're me. You're good. I'll, I think I'll I wrote in the script. That, I think I wrote in the script that the preseason was over. So I've completely moved on, apparently. <laughs> that's where we're all at. And that's what it felt like Sunday night uh, <laughs> with that overtime game. I I had even you know posted about it. I was like, why am I stressing this much about a preseason overtime <laughs> game, right? Yeah, um, bless you for staying in tune with that one. I know it was it was a very ridiculous overtime. I I can only imagine if that McKinnon move had gone in that downtown mm. Denver would have exploded. But anyway, yeah. um, to actually answer the question because it is it is definitely like some good competition there, right? Yeah. Um, Riley Tufty is making it a real real tough choice. No pun intended. Um, and you know you obviously have Frederick Olafson as well. You all could be Ranta. Um, you know you could really go with like any of those guys. And of course there's Ben Myers and Curtis McDermott too. Um, mm -hmm. Like it's, I, I feel like it's honestly a matter of who does Jared Bednar want to fit in the system? Does he want somebody who's already played with them before in mm -hmm. a Ben Myers or a Curtis McDermott? So right. they'll know what they're doing, but maybe not have as much quality as one of these new guys like Olofsson or, or Kivi Ranta or Tufty. I feel like that's a tough decision to make there. I think, just knowing Bednar, I think he would want someone who knows the system, knows the culture. Right. And so therefore it'll likely still end up being one of Myers or McDermott, which maybe isn't the answer that people want or are looking for. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, I feel like that just still seems the most likely. Um, but you never know, maybe something in these last two preseason games will, will change his mind. Yeah, and I kind of feel like you are, are are on the right track in terms of Bednar preferring guys who know the system. But I wonder if that's more true later in the season and if we'll see him kind of experiment and maybe find out if some of these younger guys have bought into the system and have an, a deeper understanding for it than maybe they've showed um, in live regular season action um, so far. I like that you're keying a little bit on Tufty, but you you started just rattling off names and it's, it seems like it's been a while since we've been able to do that about Colorado's Absolutely. forward depth. Um, Ezra, do you feel like that's true? And like, perhaps we've finally gotten enough depth in that forward group to really um, experiment and possibly come up with a, a really dangerous lineup? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about the just the sheer number of options, like you're saying. Uh, yeah. we've, we've got a real battle for these last couple of roster spots. And one of them is going to go to Curtis McDermott, who's probably not going to play very many games. Frankly, he's, he's going to be in the, in, on the roster just to be in the locker room. It sounds like, right. which, you know, is a choice, but we don't have to get into that, but, um, <laughs> but we've got other guys who can step up and really take that ice time. We obviously, we know Ben Myers. Well, we know uh, that the, the Dallas boys have been battling for that extra spot um, in Kiviranta, Tufty and, 
Olafson. And Olafson. Uh, if I had to make a guess, I'd say just because Ben Myers can go to the AHL without uh, going through waivers, he's going to be the odd man out there. He's going to be in Loveland to start the year. Uh, first injury call up probably at forward, but um, but we'll see probably Olafson and, and Tufty make the roster. Kiviranta have to hit waivers. If it's if I'm just speculating based on what I've seen so far, it seems like Olafson's a really good fit for Bednar on that fourth line, uh, and that's really exciting. We don't have a lot of uh, like high end depth. Is still right. a concern. that's that's the one thing I will add. Uh, you know, unless Oscar Olafson really jumps up and feels ready to be a, a middle six forward, it's we're mostly looking at bottom six type kind of depth, for sure. which is a really good thing to have. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But, uh, you know, if there are a lot of injuries in the top six, then we're looking at more minutes for Arturi Lekkanen probably, which is a good thing. We mm -hmm. like him. But beyond that, a bit of a, you know, who's going to step up and learn how to play some offense. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because that might be, if if we're being like completely honest looking at this roster, it seems like they're trying to, as I always say, the Billy Bean approach, make up in the aggregate with multiple forwards. Um, for maybe like points lost uh, to teams in the past um, and comparables, just maybe in, in terms of production. But I I don't know that it's that simple. I do think that the Avalanche have done a good job of addressing specific needs and finding guys that should play into the system. That said, we talked a little bit last week about the defensive group. Now we've seen some more games and we kind of have a better picture um, of that D group with McCarr and Manson supposedly going to get a game tomorrow or in the next couple of games, I guess, since I thought there was only one left. <laughs> but they're supposed to at least play one. Um, what does that tell you about the Avalanche defensive group? And are we still of the opinion that they should probably find somebody on the waiver wire? Uh, Evan, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think that's still definitely at least somewhat of a concern when it comes to this Avs defense because, I mean, the top six is – pretty much set right that that is right. that is not going to change um why Amat just got sent down earlier today um he he will like he might have some opportunities to to jump in there along with sam malinsky who i think is probably the honestly probably the seventh or eighth d now um especially if they're still trying to roll with mcdermott at forward yeah. um so you know i think perhaps maybe but, um, you know, I, I feel like it would be a little bit tougher to bring on a defender on the, on, from waivers at least, um, just because there are less of them, quite frankly. Sure. Um, so we'll have to kind of see what happens. But I also do want to touch on the forward really quickly. Um, can we talk about names that have kind of gone through the system? We kind of went through this last year when I, when I went back and thought about it. We had Lucas Sedlak, we had Dryden Hunt, we had Dennis Mulgan, but Sedlak in particular, he played, what, two games and then right. he was gone, right? Theoretically, it, one of we could we could lose another player on waivers early on in the season because mm -hmm. Bednar doesn't like him in the first two games, right? Who knows, right? So, again, it's all just a matter of wait and see kind of kind of deal um, with both the forwards, forwards and defenders. And you still have to put into question, too, Will they get a goaltender on waivers? Of course, fan favorite Jonas Johansson will not be here for a third year in a row. Mostly, <laughs> yeah. uh, since he has to cover Vasilevsky's back surgery he got. Um, mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll really see kind of what happens in this final preseason game. But I think Bednar also said it, I don't know if it was earlier today or after the game last night, um, but he pretty much said that their lineup is starting to come into form, like starting to shape up and that, at least by Thursday's game in Vegas, they'll have a, they'll likely play a, a pretty set roster lineup for what it's right. going to look like on opening night. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned possibly losing a player uh, on the waiver wire because, as where you mentioned, Kivi Ranta, you see possibly being uh, the easier person to put on waivers with the ability to hide Ben Myers's uh, availability in the HL, which is kind of why, like, I cheated a little bit on my bold prediction because that's kind of what I was keying on, which is that they'd be safe to put him down there and bring him up later and not have him go on waivers. Um, Cause I think it's just the better call and it just makes sense for him too. I think in the projection of his career in this year so far, he'll build some confidence. We'll see about whoever takes his place on that fourth line. Um, if it's not a problem, we'll have a real competition 
Um, if it is still a problem, he can get called up and, and see what he's got too. So getting back though to the defenders and the waiver wire, um, Evan says they're hard to come by, but is there anyone on the waiver wire or potentially that you see potentially being on the waiver wire that the abs could target defensively? Yeah, there, there is. I actually was looking through cap friendly to see which teams had an, uh, a, a really solid top six and a definite couple of extra bodies that they might be looking to cut uh, or that they might be forced to cut. And three jumped out at me. Um, the first one I'll mention is from the New Jersey Devils. Uh, okay. somebody that, you know, the name alone might make you want to pick him up and that's Cal foot. Um, he's, he's looking wow. like the odd man out on that blue line. I don't know that his play style is exactly what the abs want. He's, he's not really great with the puck. He's, you know, I think of him like his dad, which isn't accurate. He's not that kind of mean player, but he's not that, that skilled defenseman that the abs typically covet. So he's not okay. really a fit, but he is only 800,000. Uh, a year on his contract, he, he'd be a, an option as an extra defenseman. Uh, the next one I'm going to mention is from Carolina, uh, Dylan Coughlin. Similar to Cal in the way that he plays, he's kind of a bigger body, uh, not huge by any means. Six, both of these guys are 6'2", okay. um, but uh, plays plays well uh, uh, in his own defensive zone, not so great in the offensive zone. And then the one I'd be most excited about if he became available is from the New York Islanders, Robin Sallow. I really like this kid's game. He's he's a he's a two way defenseman by by the, like at you know like the pure definition of two way defenseman. He's not okay. really good at either side, but he's really good at both. If that makes sense. That, um, okay. uh, and I think he'd be a fantastic fit in the Colorado system. He's a, he's a great skater, and if he became available, I think that would be something that they really 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 should consider. Uh, if he passes through waivers completely, I'll be shocked because I think he's really got a lot of upside. But if he makes it to Colorado and the abs don't take him i'll be pretty disappointed well it's funny i look him up right now a 24 years old finish so we'll add another finish player to the roster mm -hmm. which would be nice um and he is you know potentially a rosy cheeked ginger as well so another one of those cannot hurt but yeah that <laughs> i love that i also love his name salo that would just you know that one just rolls off the tongue um oh, yeah. that would back in the day <clears throat> and he wears number two so <laughs> That's a cool number. He's so, not yeah. related to Tommy Salo, so you don't have to worry about anybody scoring on him <laughs> from the red line. Yeah, there you go. Uh, he's not a goalie either. But <laughs> that's pretty good, though. That's, that's <laughs> deep, reaching deep, deep yeah. into the back. A reference right there. for our older listeners. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, in terms of relation, you also mentioned Cal Foot, and obviously every Avalanche fans feelers kind of start moving around when they hear Cal Foote's name. But I agree with you in terms of like his play style, not may maybe not fitting um, not only the Avalanche, but kind of like the future defender of the NHL to be kind yeah. of not to be too frank, but that's just like, he was a part of a really good team and a team that's known to um, promote and develop defenders really well in the Tampa Bay lightning. And that may have kind of come along. We'll see how he, if he makes the roster in New Jersey and stuff like that. But I do think his development, the name and everything, we probably expected a little bit more. And I don't know if he's kind of a fit like you mentioned. But Evan, what are your comments? He also, uh, as were also mentioned, Dylan Coughlin. Who, of the three, who do you like the most? Oh, I, you know, I think Cal, Calfoot is the one that, that I like the most. Of that. And I'll be honest, I don't really know much of the other two. Um, mm. so I think Cal foot would be the one that would be kind of the most interesting there. I and mean, we, he, we've seen him play, um, you know, against sure. the Az before. I don't know if the other two have, um, or not, but, um, I mean, we know, we know Cal foot has, he has that family connection that would only probably make him adored even more in Colorado. Um, and I know that, you know, when, when the summer started and, you know, we were looking at, at possible players to come in that Cal foot did interest at least a few of us. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so why not, right? If he if he becomes available, you know why not? Yes, I, I also. I mean, as we mentioned, he's only eight hundred k. So, yeah, if he's only eight hundred thousand, yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, so I mean, those are three really good options in my opinion. I think I do like Robin the best as well, just based on his his two wayness. I like how you put it. Like he's not he's not a great defender, but he's also not a great offensive guy but he's good enough at both basically is what yeah. you're saying yeah so i mean i think that fits except for maybe in that 
seven, six, and six and seven D roll, you just want that lockdown guy. The dude who just yeah. sends it down the ice, even if it's an icing, you know, that kind of guy who just is no I, that's what I think of when I think of Jack Johnson and Eric Johnson, how they played recently. It's just no nonsense, get that thing out and and protect the net. Totally. And and all three of these guys are are on the younger side. They're t- Salo's twenty four, Coughlin and Foot are twenty five. So if the team is looking at like who can we get to be a trusted veteran to jump in from the seven D spot, these aren't those guys. But yeah. I, I do think that if they're looking at somebody who can come in, have some upside and play that five six spot, I guess six, because five five is clearly uh, Manson, uh Gerard or Manson. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, uh uh yeah, it would make sense to me to go for somebody with some upside. Yeah, that that's true. And and you know, talking upside and getting back to Evan's point, you know, say what you will, but Cal Foot's a first round, fourteenth overall pick. So um, there's potentially still some upside there. Twenty four years old, like we said earlier, he's got a big frame, six five, two twenty four. And wouldn't it be cool to see that name on a jersey again? And would he would his dad give him permission to wear it, or is it just not a thing? Since it's isn't that one in the rafters Ooh, or am I? It tripping? is, uh huh. It is. That's a good question. Number, that's for sure. Right? He just wears fifty three because he's one better than his dad. <laughs> <laughs> what number does he wear now? Uh let's see. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't think about that. That's a good point, though. Um, I also did just remember that Bride of Hunt <laughs> So Hunt might actually end up being the seventh D, and then probably Malinsky, unless okay. they bring somebody in who wants to. Who who can play in the AHL wants to play in the AHL and maybe be behind a couple of guys. Um, in the wasn't was it him or or who ended up the Eagles captain? It was Brad. Brad it is so okay. So so you th- you do you think that that holds any weight in terms of where he finishes in the lineup or is it? I guess it's kind of a dumb question. Like if he's the best, is he's of the best boards? He's going to be on playing for the Avalanche. I just wonder though, like then then the does captaincy really matter in the HL to you guys? I mean, not particularly. I mean, Brad Hunt played a lot of games with the Az last year. I think he played more games with the Az than the Eagles, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But that was also simply just because of the nature of injury riddled. Yeah. Um, so I I'm not a, I'm not sure exactly. Um, you know, if it would necessarily matter or not. Um, at least for Brad Hunt and the Eagles' sake. Um. You know, regardless, he's still with the Avs, and the Eagles yeah. started their training camp today. So I think that that kind of is is telling at least a, a little bit of something. I mean, I guess we'll get into this in my next segment, but I wonder if the Avs do nothing, are we still going to be cool with it? Like when we get to opening night, if they do nothing and they come up with a version of the roster with who they have now, um, maybe give or take losing a couple of guys. Uh, due to you know dropping them and and putting them on waivers and whatnot, are we going to be worried or is it just kind of like a prove it time? Ezra, what do you think? That kind of excites me actually because that yeah. that means they they're giving Anand in a shot, which I like. Uh, I I prefer they don't pick up a goalie. I think Anand's been good, um, and that means that uh, to, in my mind that means probably that uh, uh, they're they're going with their six D unless somebody gets hurt and. If somebody gets hurt, they'll find another solution because yeah. I that it just doesn't seem like Sam Malinsky's quite ready, and it doesn't seem like Brad Hunt is really what they want in a seventh D. Because I mean, he he filled in admirably last year, but he is a puck moving type. He should be down with the Eagles leading that team, uh, bringing up the young kids. I think that's that's the fit that they envision. That's why they made him captain down there. Right. So you know, I, I, I think that's exciting because that means that they're looking to make to make the players that they have right now give them opportunity uh, and uh, specifically with Anand and make a change if they need to on the defensive side, which I, I think bringing in another defenseman makes sense. Um, but uh, whether that's waivers, if they don't like anybody on waivers, fine, they don't take anybody, but then that means that they're, they're going to be looking around the league for, for an yeah. addition if Jack Johnson doesn't uh, hold up for 82 games, you know, exactly. or anyway, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, I like, you know, you, you made me think of something in that comment, which is even if they acquire somebody, it might not be specifically for the role of six or seven D it might be to be an eight D because you have that seven in your mind and you just want a little bit more depth back there. And I, I agree with you. I'm excited by the prospects, by the prospect of the, of the avalanche doubling down on what they have. 
not only because I think they have some good players that just kind of haven't gotten the opportunity. I think that's been the case for some years. And I also feel like that's a vote of confidence from uh, the, the administration of the Colorado Avalanche themselves to say, you know, we're good with what we've got. We're confident and we think these guys have grown in a way that we can kind of just let it roll, especially in terms of Anunin. I agree with you. It would be really nice to see him <clears throat> actually step into the backup role for a, a moment in time and really get a accurate assessment of where he is in terms of his development and where he is in terms of being an NHL goaltender. Um, with that said, we know for sure that Josh Manson and Kale McCarr are NHL players, but what we don't know for sure is where they are in terms of their health. We've been told by Jared Bednar, according to a few sources, um, that both are slated and on track to play in at least one preseason game. Um, we've talked about the last game possibly being the game we see most starters. Um, Two-parter for you, Evan. Is that the game you predict that they'll both play, or do you think they'll be staggered? And then the second question is, what are you looking for from each of them in order to instill some confidence um, going into the season? Yeah, that's a good question. Answer your first part. I think it will only be the second game where they'll both be playing simply okay. just because they have not been on the ice all that much. Gotcha. Um, I think Makar has only skated, I think like, I think maybe three or four times um, since he first started last week. Um, so not very much. And then uh, the same goes for Manson, right? Um mm -hmm. Still recovering um, from his injury, which I saw was actually uh, specified earlier today. I'm going to try and find it really quickly. Um, but, I mean, the expectation for them is the same, right? It is to to perform at a high level. It is to perform, um, you know, it is it is supposed to be like what is what Manson was paid for, right, after right. winning the cup. Um, so his injury that he recovered from, he tore his QL oblique in game two or three of the playoffs, according to Ryan Bolding of NHL.com. Um, so I don't know what that is. I'm not a doctor, but ouch. It sounds like that hurts. <laughs> um, and like the side of your lower back. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Um, and we know the injury struggles he went through last year, right? Manson in particular. So I think, honestly, for him, his expectations are probably lower than Makar's. I just simply want him to have a healthy game, just get his feet under him, um, you know, really get set for the start of the season. Um, and then for Makar's stake, I mean, along the similar lines, but you also want him to be Kale freaking Makar, right? Um, yeah. That's just who he is. Um, and he's Kale's not going to back down. We know that. Um, even though apparently, according to some reports, that he's one of the most arrogant players in the world. Uh, but he's <laughs> Um, uh, I feel know, for the troll most <laughs> arrogant player and arrogant, the most arrogant team in the league. But um, no, I think Makar Makar is going to want to do what he can, even at 95%. Um, we obviously just hope that he stays at 100% or gets to 100% and then stays at 100%, you know, through the season. Yeah. For me, that's just such a slippery slope because we saw him play so much last season and if sometimes it's not as simple as like, is Kale healthy? It's also a matter of how healthy is the rest of the lineup? Because if he's relied upon, like he was playing like 30 minutes a night, some nights, you know, it's, that's not good for a guy who's not all the way healthy. So that's something I'm kind of concerned about, but I'm with you. I think he's Kale McCarth and uh, there's a certain mindset that he has to have in order to be the kind of guy he is. And it'll be tough to keep him from playing if he feels well enough to play. I just, I just can't help myself, <clears throat> but with him, with a superstar like that, think about everything in the, in terms of long-term. And so I'm like, maybe he should miss just a couple of games to start the year, feel, feel like he's being held back and he needs to go now and then let him out, let him just go nuts and see how he really feels. I will say I looked it up and I'm not a doctor, but uh, Ezra, you're right. It's like a, the QL uh, oblique that Manson's struggling with is a muscle that connects your spine to like your hips in the back area. So that's brutal, especially for a hockey player. There's a lot of stress in your hips and back, obviously from skating. So we'll see how the two of them um, fare. What I'm kind of looking for is just that ease of movement. Like you can tell, especially when people are skating 
if there's uncomfortability or unfamiliarity or possibly some tentativeness. Um, if we don't see that from them, I'll be impressed. And I also am hoping that Bednar tests them out, sees that they're good, and then doesn't play them for the last two periods. Ezra, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think as long as they get through the games healthy, it's good to get a tune-up. I, I, I don't have a whole lot of, uh, you know, I, 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 it's a preseason game. I don't, I don't really care right. too much what happens, but uh, I do want them to, to get on the ice. That's, that'd be really good and, and get through it healthy. Yeah, yeah I, guess, I guess that's the main main thing is do it, show that you can, but just go home healthy. Is yeah, totally. Yeah. totally. Yeah, well, it's nice to know that the – it seems to me like the the room is optimistic. The coaches are optimistic. Um, and I feel like as long as everybody who's said to be on the track to good health is indeed on the track to good health, the Avalanche are in a really good position to once again win the Central Division. Unless Wikipedia lied to me, I'm pretty sure this is the third straight season that they'll have won the central division. I know Wikipedia is something you can enter yourself, but I've tried to make the avalanche, the reigning undefeated central division champion since their existence. And it just never sticks. So that being said, <laughs> if they win this upcoming season, it would be their fourth straight fourth straight. Yeah. 20, Even better. 2021 technically West division. Oh, and okay. Then, yeah. And then 20, okay. 21, so, so technically, but technically not because it's the central, right? Yeah. Well. yeah. Yeah. Whatever. The fourth straight division title. We'll just go there we go. Let's yeah. go with that. So who in the division as it's currently uh, constructed, do you guys imagine will be the Avalanche's most, you know, hotly contested opponent and the, the most big, the most big threat. Great <laughs> words there uh, to their fourth straight third Third or fourth straight divisional title, <laughs> Evan. You go, holy moly! <laughs> um, man, do I do we need to do an evaluation? I'm just kidding. Um, Somebody get this, get a Red Bull. <laughs> um, I think kind of the easy answer here is Dallas. Um, Dallas has improved. Um, they have the guy who always seems to score against the Avs now, Matt Duchesne. Um, yeah. You know, playing go with the other one, Joe Pavelski. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And Joe Pavelski too, of course. And Dallas. <laughs> Dallas has not had a ton of turnover in an already very successful um, last season to this season. Um, and, you know, when you look at, I think they had, what was it, 16 overtime losses last year or something like that. Um, even if like two of those, three of those are wins in over, ooh, English, Evan, goodness, we're both struggling, Adrian. It's, um, it's contagious. <laughs> if the, if, even three of those 16 are wins in overtime or in the regular season. They win last year's central division. Easy put. Yeah. Um, they are definitely the biggest threat for the abs in, in, in the central division. And then from there on out, you can, you could debate a good number of teams. And there was a whole debate about it in our Slack channel, not too long ago. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we can discuss further. Well, and you mentioned Dallas, which I agree. I think that's going to be an apparent, like a clear rival too, as things kind of come around, you mentioned some abs killers being uh, a part of the roster. And that means we're going to not like them um, more than likely. Obviously Minnesota is a rival every season and they've gotten more uh, competitive within that rivalry. Uh, where do you guys, and uh, Ezra, I love this question for you. Where do you feel as uh, Arizona fits into the divisional um rivalries and and how does that work with the avalanche because yeah. it seems like there's been some animosity i mean yeah I, there's definitely been some animosity I, I think especially with you know a couple years back with with connor garland there um but he's not there anymore so you know i, I don't think we're going to see nick mckinnon throw a helmet at anybody but <laughs> okay. uh but you know i think ultimately with arizona it's they are a team that is likely to be on the rise and if mm -hmm. they manage to to really push uh, and like be in the playoff mix, then that's going to heighten their, their chated heated rivalry. But I don't see it. I don't know. I, I think they're going to be better, but they're not good yet. Not they, yet. Don't really, yeah. they just don't have the top end for me where I'm like, oh, okay, I can really see this. Like people got really excited about the, uh, 
uh, it's not Cutter Gauthier. Who's the guy? Uh, who's their rookie center? Um, oh, shoot. why can't I think of his name? Oh man, I want to call him Cutter Gauthier so bad, but this is a different guy. I just can't ever let go of that name, Cutter. It's so weird. He was just um, drafted, right? Or am I no, going? last year, not this last past year. draft, but Logan was, was it Logan Cooley? Logan Cooley, thank you. Logan yeah. Cooley, there it is. Logan Cooley. At Logan Cooley had that awesome uh, yes. goal in the preseason, right? That everybody was like, "Oh my God, Arizona's oh. the number center!" But it's also <laughs> the, only the only goal he yeah. scored in preseason. He's not, he's not really there yet. You know, he's exciting, yeah. but he's not there yet. And I, I just don't know uh, what to really make of that roster as like an actual contender. So for me, they're not fully rivals yet just because they're not good enough yet. Uh, the defense looks shaky. The goal mm-hmm. better than it looks on paper. I think, I think both those guys have middling reputations with Malcolm Ingram, but are actually pretty good. Um, and uh, you know, so they can steal games and they stole a lot of games at home last year. And that's very true. The, whatever reason, the curse of Mullet arena, I think it's just it's like team thing. going in and being like, are we seriously playing? Yes. The other team going, oh, what the hell is this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so they get shaken a little bit, but that was last year's for, for the first time this year. They know what to expect. And I, and I really don't think that Arizona can repeat that home success. Yeah. And I don't think that they can have much away success. So for me, they're just not quite there. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I feel, and maybe this is not the case for this team, but it probably could be argued Chicago, obviously, Connor Bedard is there now. Um, are they going to be similar where they're better but not quite good yet? Um, now, Evan, take into consideration that they've also brought in guys like Taylor Hall, Nick Felino, Corey Perry. So it feels a little bit like they're trying to kind of, at, at the very least, surround Bedard with a certain level of talent and acumen in order to kind of bring the best out of him. Um, where do you see the Blackhawks fitting into the division this season? Sure. I mean, you you mentioned those names, right? And they they are big caliber names, as you mentioned before. But name any other Chicago Blackhawks player besides <laughs> those ones. Right? Okay, I got so, one, Seth Jones. But you're right. After that, I've got nothing. I, I can name Seth Jones and Athanasio, and that is, that is <laughs> it. Like, yeah. there's no one else beyond that. And while Connor Bedard has looked – stupidly good during the preseason, even though he hasn't scored a goal yet. Um, you know, you, you cannot just put the weight of the world and the weight of an entire franchise on an 18 year old rookie's shoulders. I don't think anyway, um, yeah. you know, they didn't really do that with McKinnon when he came to the abs at 18. Sure. He was the same kind of hot superstar that he was. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of other factors around McKinnon that got them to success in that season. Yeah. Um, and you might have to look it up. I don't know if McDavid made it in the playoffs, his rookie year. Um, but yeah, he didn't. So I, I, do, I don't, I don't see them being all too good. I think they're going to be pretty much bottom of the, of the central, um, you know, whether regardless on what Bedard does um, during, during the season. And they should want that. Like that's that's yeah. ideal for them, because <laughs> they need more people to 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 come support that that the core of Bedard and who uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, they really need to they really need to tank, even though they already tanked for Bedard. They need to keep it going. They need to continue to t- continue the tank, baby. Well, mm-hmm. we've talked I, about. Go, go ahead, Evan. I was just gonna say, I think I feel like the real, like the real battle is gonna, it's gonna be like Minnesota and, or sorry, the Dallas and the Abs, you know, up top. It'll be Minnesota, probably a little bit behind, and then towards the bottom will be like Chicago. The real okay. interesting, interesting battle is gonna be right in the middle. Yeah. Um, who gets, who gets that four through what is that seven or even yeah, three through seven technically? Reds, Blues, and Jets that we haven't touched on either. So. That's yeah. Blues, who knows? They feel like they're going down, but do you guys feel like the blues have made any off season acquisitions or moves that kind of move the needle in their direction a little more, or are we kind of still feeling like the abs broke them? Not at all. I think they're broken. I think it, if, if uh, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo really step up and figure out how to lead a team as the top offensive weapons, they have a chance at competing for the playoffs, but if they don't, them and the Predators are on their way out, I think, for sure. Yeah, that's how. That's kind of how I feel. It feels like the Predators are kind of trying to reassess things. The Blues, other than Bennington, feel the same way. Uh, what about the Jets? The Jets are kind of like the 
like can Canada's least talked about team, but they might, in my opinion, be one of the better Canadian teams in the league. Um, what are your thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets? Either one of you. I mean, the here's the thing about the Jets is that they started off, you know, white hot, as we'll say, since it works out well for them. Uh, they, started off, they started off really, really well last year. And I think it kind of took people by surprise, right? Um, but you have to remember, too, they faltered big time in the spring before before the playoffs started. They just squeaked into the playoffs by two points over Calgary and Nashville. Um and we're honestly kind of lucky to make it um, before obviously being um, taken apart by the eventual Stanley Cup champions. Um, so I, I feel like Winnipeg, I just don't, they are a very interesting team to look at. As you, as you said, Adrian, they're, they are definitely the, the least talked about team in Canada, probably because they're the one that doesn't involve the most drama out of them. Let's just be honest. <laughs> um, and you kind of forget that they're there sometimes. And maybe that's a good thing for them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you can get, you know, Connor Hellebuck to just keep doing his thing without people recognizing it, who knows what can happen, right? The Avs mm-hmm. have been goalied by him multiple times. Right. So you never know you never know what Connor Hellebuck could do for that team. Um, same goes with their with their offense. Who they're they're just a very interesting team to see. And I, yeah. I don't they're hard to read, I think. But- they're rocking Mason Appleton, Kyle Connor, Alex uh, Follow, Adam Lowry. I was going to say Patrick Laine, but he's not there anymore. Nino Niederreiter, um, Cole Profetti, Mark Shifley, of course. Shifley. Mm-hmm. Dominique Toninato, we know, remember that name. Velarde. So, I mean, I guess where, where, where they seem potentially thin, I don't know. Are they thin on the back end to you guys? Nate Schmidt. Decent coming back from a weird season. Pionk, mm-hmm. love that name. Hate him. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he seems to be one of those guys who scores weird goals against the Avs too. But oh, who's, none the, the, who's the def- Ekholm? Isn't Ekholm there too? Matthias Ekholm, or, or did he go the other way? I don't remember. I don't think so. Nashville. I'm looking at their roster. Oh, he's right in he's in Edmonton. Yeah, yeah, Edmonton. Yeah. Oh, he's in Edmonton. Right. So, Edmonton. so, so. Ezra, what do you think of the Jets? Like, where do they land? Because we were kind of starting to talk about how the how the division will sort out at the end of the day. Where does that figure for you in the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, I just, I mean, I think that they were in a position where leaning into a rebuild made a lot of sense, and they did not do it. So <laughs> they're now stuck in kind of a limbo, which... Yeah a lot of teams find themselves in there and that like the, what we used to be called like the Canucks zone or I don't know that like people in sports media had names for it, but they're, they really do remind me of, uh, of, of Canucks team or a flames team that is just like not going to miss the playoffs. They refuse, but they're not going to be good enough to really, uh, to really do anything with it. And obviously the Canucks have missed the playoffs. So you see where that gets you sometimes. Um, uh, but that's like the attitude, not the reality. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I just, I don't know. I, they have Connor Hellebuck, which that's a huge deal. He's a great player. And they have a decent defense core. I like Morrissey a lot. I like Pionk a lot. Uh, Dylan DeMello and Nick Schmidt are serviceable, but the rest of the guys, uh, Brandon Dillon people yeah. like, but I, I don't really. Um, and then on offense, they have some young, interesting pieces, but mostly it's guys who we know who they are and who they are isn't mm-hmm. the high end of their position on the roster. Like Mark Scheifele is not a high end number one. He's a, he's a number one center, but he's not a high end number one center. Adam Lowry's a number three center, but he's not a high end number three center. You know, so it's, right. just, it's just a roster that's not quite good enough to scare me, but not bad enough where I'm like, oh, they're done. But they should have rebuilt completely and tanked. That's what they should have done. But <laughs> Hey, you know, it's, I could, I can never do that when I'm playing NHL. I just try and go to the free agent market and sign as many guys and trade as many people (laughs) as I can. So I can't really hate on him. (laughs) I do want to add though. I really liked the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. I think they got a ton of good pieces back. And uh, if, if like Velarde and Kupari end up being second line players, not third line players, then they have some really solid depth and they could maybe be like a, 
like a Seattle Kraken where they kind of do it by committee. And that trade looks real good too, if that happens. So you're right oh, yeah. about that. Yeah. So totally. Um, so based on that, I feel like we've kind of settled in on the fact that it's going to be Av stars and wild kind of duking it out, seeing who lands where. And, and, and honestly, we talked about this a lot going into the playoffs last season, but how important is it to secure home ice? Are you cool with one and one or two? Um, or is it just one or nothing for you guys? Evan, you go first. I mean, I feel like at this point we've gotten used to, to winning divisions, right, and getting that home ice advantage. Um, you know, unfortunately, we did see how that can be an issue or how, you know, you can't take advantage of it in the playoffs like last season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I do think, though, you should get – first in the division that that should be the goal right you shouldn't you shouldn't want to come in second or third um so for me it's it, it's one or bust um honestly um two wouldn't be the end of the world three three would be then where we maybe have some problems well man now that you mentioned it i'm like do you even want home ice advantage we our last cup we secured every series on the road and had the cup in the house game five packed lid or packed to the brim at the ball arena. And not that they fell short, but they fell short at the end of the day. And I can't help but think of the fact that although my, my dude, Nate dog is a Stanley cup champion now, and he's got that monkey off his back. He still hasn't won a game seven in the playoffs um, as one of the more, probably, probably like a top 10 dominating playoff performer. It's kind of a crazy statistic to think about. So, and and now that I think about it too, um, because obviously they played Game Seven at home last season, but the last Game Seven before that was away to the San Jose Sharks in 2019, mm-hmm. and that yeah. game was actually pretty good. The Avs stepped it up, um, and you know we can talk about oh Landis Cog wasn't offside, yeah. um, <laughs> you know for for another hour or two here, um, but you make a good point. Like, could they could they go in and upset uh? of Vegas in game seven in T-Mobile arena in Vegas. Like yeah. who knows? Right. So I don't know. I just think it would be better to have that support in front of your fans. But then again, who knows? Really? Well, how it's, much it, it's, it's just a kind of a weird, I don't know, conundrum. Cause it's like, they also were absolutely dominant at home in the regular season that season. And so it meant a lot. I think that comfortability went a long ways. But at the same time, we heard the, the the rhetoric, Ezra, about like, oh, the road is just better for guys because they get closer as a group. It's less distractions and and yada, yada. Where does the home ice advantage stuff um, fit into your priorities this season? Well, you know, I think ultimately with that cup run, what what made them win on the road wasn't necessarily that they were on the road, but more that they knew they hadn't. They were like, we're not going to let this thing yeah. go home. You know yeah. what I mean? And they they were ending games, ending series before Game Seven. They weren't letting series stretch yeah, long. Yeah. And so I think you can do that with any series, no matter where home ice advantage lies. But ultimately, having that, having the uh, the advantage in seating is more for me about who you're playing than it is about when when who you're, where, if you're playing yeah. at home or away. I would much rather be facing you know, uh, the eighth seeded Winnipeg Jets than the three seeded Minnesota Wild mm-hmm. if I'm on the Avalanche. So I, I'm just throwing out numbers and I don't think they're accurate for how things work. But you know what I, I mean? Know, I know uh, what you mean. Yeah. So well, that's kind of uh, how we that's kind of yeah. how we talked about Seattle, right? Going in. That's true. The Seattle series, though, I mean, the Avalanche nearly beat them with nobody left. Alive. Yeah. So I think yeah. that is that's that that honestly supports my argument, not hurts it. Yeah, but, yeah I'd agree. Um, well, the the way I always put it is the Seattle Kraken beat the shadow of the Colorado Avalanche. That's right. Indian that's series. right. Yeah. So yeah, for me, I mean, I think winning the division is huge, and it also gives the the guys a sense of accomplishment that. Uh, or not like a sense of confidence in themselves that like, yeah, obviously we're the best team here, which I think they already think they're the most arrogant team in the league, but, uh, (laughs) but it's important, (laughs) but I do think it's important to to have that at your back when you're going for a cup. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because everyone's like, Oh, well the rest of that quote from Kane was that they won. So they deserve to be arrogant. And it's like, yeah, well the rest of that quote is him qualifying his jab. So (laughs) 
don't act like he's sitting there giving praise. What he's saying is, yeah, they won last time, but they still think and act like they're the they're the Stanley Cup champions, which they aren't anymore. Now that is the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, but we learned how hard it is to repeat in the NHL on a um, health basis, mostly for the Colorado Avalanche last season. So we'll see how the Vegas Golden Knights do in their uh, attempt to repeat. I honestly keep saying for me to, to, to really, I don't know, the, the, the fairy tale ending to a season would be for McKinnon to beat the Vegas Golden Knights in a game seven with an overtime winner, get that monkey off his back, head back to the cup, get your second in three years, maybe get McKinnon his con Smythe this time, maybe get McKinnon his heart this year. And that's, that's kind of Ado going off to dreamland. So <laughs> the, the crazy thing is all of that is possible. And yeah, if I was I'm, about to say, you have very yeah. realistic dreams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, well, that leaves us with one last segment, and it's the segment where um, we either are really cool and look like Nostradamus and predict the future, or we put our foot in our mouth. So, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. Let's get, uh, let's get right into the bold predictions. Let's first check on last week's bold predictions and um i think most of us are potentially good let me see here i have to be sure because you know i'm i have a tendency to talk out the side of my you know what and <laughs> typically my bold predictions not are as not bad as the week before for me at least <laughs> oh i'm looking in the wrong place that's why i'm like where did they go okay <laughs> So here we go. We got my bold prediction is that Ben Myers will be sent down to the HL sooner than we think. Well, technically that hasn't happened yet, so I'll take the wrong on that. But it 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 could it could potentially still be right. Depends on what you think was uh, when he'd be sent down. But I think some people just don't think he's gonna be sent down, which uh, is kind of why I made that prediction. Jackie's bold prediction was. That uh, Maros Jedlika would get an AHL contract. What do you guys? What do you guys know about that? Well, he got injured last night, so who knows now with him? Unfortunately, so we'll, um, we'll leave that one un, unanswered. Yeah, it all hangs we'll, hinges on how bad that is. Plus, Jackie's not here, so when she comes back, we'll 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 check back in with that one and see how it went. Ezra, your bold prediction last week was that Jeremy Hansel will get an AHA contract, AHL contract. Excuse me. Where are we at on that? We still don't know. Well, he got sent back to, to Seattle. Know, so I don't know if that oh, would today? necessarily. He he got sent back to Seattle. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, I missed that. Well, then I guess that means uh, I think that that's pretty much a sign. He's probably not going to. I mean, well, I guess he could yeah. elsewhere, but I mean, probably not no, likely. Oh, okay. So, yeah, no, not not very likely. And then, Evan, your bold prediction last week was we will be surprised that one big name will miss preseason altogether. Um I mean, it, it, Technically, Manson and McCarr could, but it, I, if they're likely to play, and we've already seen yeah. McKinnon and Manson, we need one of those. One, of, we need a new sound effect that's like we don't know, not quite, <laughs> or something like that. Because <laughs> some we of our bold predictions just do not resolve. It's usually because when the season comes around, we get to do it based on the games. So that's true. These these aren't quite fitting into the time window. But that said. Let's we'll just make these ones game predictions. Yeah, I? let's get let's get these ones within the week so we can have a resolution next week. Ezra, you go first. What's your bold prediction today? Uh, I'm gonna go with the Avalanche. The, sound of, the who, Avalanche uh, claim a defenseman. I like. Yeah, it. the Avalanche claim a defenseman on waivers. Uh, who we didn't say, but we're excited about. I like it. That uh sounded was like the inter international sound of preparation right there. <laughs> <laughs> that, that should be the new sound for that. Like we don't know. Yeah, there we go. Oh, gonna, you're right. I want to that sound. That, that sounds yeah, that flipped for sure. <laughs> oh, that's so good. All right, Evan, your turn. What is your bold prediction? 
All right. <laughs> so we have two games left in this in this preseason. Uh, we have one in Dallas Tuesday night, and then in Vegas Thursday night on national TV uh, with TNT. So they're getting their coverage started. And I think the Az are going to put on a show for both of those games and win out the preseason. They're going to take the momentum they took from from Sunday night's uh, wild overtime win, and they'll finish out the season or finish out the preseason um, with a four and zero run, um, which would then make them what is that five and one in the preseason? Yeah. yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, I hope that that's the case because just winning is fun. And you want these young guys to get a taste of that winning in the bigs and bring bring some confidence back to the AHL. And then also if if the the results find them on the big squad, that should mean they're coming in with some confidence. So I'm here for that. Definitely. So it would, it would be four and two now that I think of it. Okay. It would be four and two. And they would My bold, three, which is still good. Yeah, I agree. My bold prediction is that in the remaining preseason game games, we will see a hat trick from one of the Colorado Avalanche players. Um, I think probably on the last night when we might see good, really good NHL players against not so good, not NHL goalies. (laughs) So we'll see how that sorts out. Um, That kind of leaves us with nothing else to talk about, unless you guys have something possibly you want to touch on that. I did not. I don't think there is. I think there's, there's not really much, Otherwise, to it, I think we could go over more of the cuts, but I think there's there's been too many to keep track of as of late. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows? Yeah, um, is there see. anyone on the cut list that you didn't expect? We'll just leave it at that. Okay. Here we go. Uh, I'm surprised Amat didn't get another game, I guess, um, yeah. since he was, he was just put on waivers today. Um, I'm a little surprised he didn't at least get the Dallas game. Okay. Um, I would get why he maybe wouldn't get the Vegas game on Thursday, but he didn't, he didn't even get Dallas's tomorrow. And I thought he, he had done well um, in his last two appearances that he at least earned a third, but I guess not. Yeah. I felt the same way. I, I think that he was one of the better performers of the young guys, at least I hate saying this, but at least in terms of like the eye test, it felt like he was kind of popping off the screen whenever he had the puck, he was putting it on net. Um, Ezra, are you surprised that Amont didn't get more time you know, not really. I, I didn't think he was a realistic shot for the roster, and I just uh, – he got his chances, and he did a lot, which is great. I'm happy for him. I think his, his future is brighter than I initially thought it would be. But, um, but no, it, it's time to, to trim that roster. He, he had to go. Yeah. Well, it'll I, be – go ahead, Evan. I just thought of a new topic because we're scrolling through X right now and forgot that this was said earlier today. Um, so it is Denver Nuggets media day. I know we don't cover the oh, Nuggets yeah, right. here, um, but um, with the Larry O'Brien trophy in the building and Stan and Josh Conkey both there talking to the media, they both mentioned a new practice facility for the Avon Nuggets. That's a great topic. Yeah, that would be coming up and that would be part of their their first phase of redevelopment for that land kind of all around ball arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, taken over Elitch Gardens and the parking lots all there, um, which would be interesting for sure um, to see how that plays out. It would make the Avs at least a little more centralized, kind of all there around Ball Arena versus having their practice facility, you know, 30 minutes south um, down in Centennial. Um, But I don't know. What do we think about that? I'll say this, and I I don't mean – I don't want to sound reductive because I think everybody involved with – the Avalanche's current system and placement in terms of their practices and stuff, they do a great job of making the, the team comfortable. I will say, though, the, facil- the, geez, oh, the facility itself is pretty outdated and pretty small um, in comparison to kind of what business is being handled um, by the Avalanche. So I do think that a more focused practice facility will go a long way toward helping uh, management even acquire some guys because it's not that the, the, the current rink is like that big of family medicines or, or I think it's family sports arena or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Sports. Um, it's not that it's a terrible rink or, or anything by that, but it's an opportunity. Like we see franchises like the Dallas Cowboys. If you've seen their practice facilities, it's, it's not about just giving the players a place to practice. It's about, 
giving players a premier place to excel at what they do and a place that's aesthetically pleasing and that can kind of reel people in and be a part of the package that is playing for the Colorado Avalanche. So my opinion is this is a really, really good thing for both the Denver Nuggets and the Colorado Avalanche. Specifically, I think it shows up on the ice in terms of free agent acquisitions and trades stuff like that. Um, Ezra, what do you think? It's an interesting topic. Thanks for bringing it up, Evan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I don't know too much about the facilities, to be honest. I've never seen them or anything, but it does seem like, in general, the concept of having a more dedicated space that can be uh, easier for all the players to access and get together at is a good thing. Yeah. But yeah, I just don't really know enough to, to really comment. Evan, you spent a lot of time over there this preseason. Um, tell me, like, what's your take on the matter? Yeah, I mean, the the facility itself, I kind of agree with you. It is a little bit outdated, um, but especially in terms of like the fandom side of it, for yeah, sure. Exactly. Um, there were a ton of people at training camp um, and they're, to be honest, the stands aren't super big um, yeah. for their practice rink. Um, so we had, there were, I mean, there were people, you know, lined up even like on the top area, um, you know, just looking down, they weren't sitting down. They were, they were standing and, and watching from there. Um, so it, it would make sense to get a new practice facility. And I kind of like what you said too, Adrian, of like, um, it, it could bring in new free agents and, and, you know, be a, a new, a new shiny toy as we'll yeah. say, um, you know, for, for drafts, um, if they want to bring in rookies and then they'll be, be blown away by the new facilities. Right. I mean, um, we've seen pictures of some NHL practice facilities. I think of Boston in particular, um, who, you know, just got a brand new one and it's like overlooking this beautiful like Valley, I think of like trees or something like that. I have no idea, but it looked amazing. And I, I sure I may not be the biggest Bruins fan, but Hey, I would go practice there. I'd go play there. Um, so I, I think it would definitely be a good opportunity. Um, for the abs to you know sharpen up their their image i guess for yeah. lack of a better term even though you don't really need to do that so it's it's just a good a good way to i think centralize things and also attract um you know more more and different people to to denver yeah yeah that's my thing and like i said i don't think it's a deterrent right now by any means I don't think a guy's like, nah, I don't want to go play with Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen because I don't want to practice there. Like, that's not happening. No. I will say, though, it, it does happen the other way, um, and that does happen. I just don't think it's the case here. But I think mm-hmm. the Avalanche have an opportunity. I, it's interesting that you mentioned that, like, the fan area isn't very uh, big and kind of, I imagine, I don't know, like, not modern in terms of the seating arrangement and everything like that and kind of monitors and stuff. So I feel like it's a huge and potentially awesome opportunity to bring fans even closer um, to the team. If you say there's a lot of people at training camp, well, if that facility to to house training camp gets bigger and more fan friendly while simultaneously making the team more comfortable, that's better for everybody, especially the, the really, really diehard fans. And that's kind of, in my opinion, what it's all about. If you're the avalanche, you have to appeal to the people that are buying in the most to what it is you're doing. And at the end of the day, this is an entertainment industry as much as people hate to admit it. And um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. bringing fans in is important to entertaining your uh, audience. So yeah, I'm excited that that'll be a cool thing. I wonder, um, you know, like the thing I think about, which is kind of, I don't know, dorky, I guess, but there's always like cool memorabilia, some, some cool art and some like, concepts to the architecture um, like for example new york jets have their training facility and i only know this because i watched hard knocks um, but they have a hallway that's 100 yards long and every 10 yards there's a different kind of like mantra or achievement um, and every 10 yards is a um, an accomplishment in terms of like the week itself and by the end of the season they'll, they'll have gone 100 yards to the end of the hallway so, like, there's cool little, I don't know, like, I guess, Easter eggs that go yeah. into the creation of these um, facilities. So, I'm excited to see what those are for the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. You mentioned concepts and stuff. There's nothing There's nothing there yet. They 
it was just comments made by the Cronkies, which, you know, will always grab people's attentions. Um, so we'll have to see kind of, you know, where it develops in the upcoming years. This isn't going to be something that I, I doubt that this will be something that, you know, in like next fall, there will be a new, a new training facility. Yeah. This, this it is, didn't sound like there was a lot of urgency to those no. comments. So yeah, it'll, it'll be at least a couple of years before that, that gets going for sure. Well, hopefully it wasn't just like a placeholder for not ever doing anything at all. And that there are intentions and we'll see those kind of come, come to life in the near future. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that does it for us here at the mile high hockey lab. If you enjoyed what you've listened to, uh, please head on over to our X. You can follow us at mile high hockey. You can also follow specifically this podcast at MHH underscore lab. You can also head over to the website, milehighhockey.com for all of our recent articles. We do recaps, previews, uh, opinion pieces, all things Colorado Avalanche. And Evan over here is the managing editor, and he's such a sweet guy. So you should definitely head on over there and, and check out what we work on. Evan, thank you for joining me, man. I really appreciate your time. Of course, of course. Thanks again. Yeah, and Ezra, Ezra, my dude, had to leave uh, just for a second there. So I just want to thank Ezra as well for joining the program. Wasn't able to get a sign-off from him, but that's totally fine. Um, that's kind of just how we do things around here. It's, it's fun for us, right? It's fun for us. That's why we do what we do. So, mm-hmm. uh, for me and mile high hockey, I'm Adrian Hernandez. This has been the mile high hockey lab. I hope you all have a wonderful night and go Colorado avalanche. Mm-hmm. Welcome, to Welcome, to Welcome to mile high hockey lab. Mile high hockey lab. Mile high hockey lab. Mile high hockey lab.